welcome all right ladies and gentlemen welcome back we got something today where we're going to explore the art of entrepreneurship strategies for business growth and the importance of fostering innovation within organizations so let's get this show started here we go shut up and sit down look a business can give you everything you want in life prestige wealth freedom it can also take everything away from you. This show is for those who are willing to take that risk. These are the real life stories of entrepreneurs. But before we start, I have one small favor to ask. Please leave a comment. It could be advice, critiques, tips, feedback, or share this with someone because your engagement is the most valuable and most powerful form of social currency. So thank you. And welcome to another episode of Business Bros. All right, business bros, on today's episode, we got our guest who is a seasoned entrepreneurial strategist with over two decades of experience in building, growing, successful businesses. So join us as we explore his journey, his book, The $100 Million Journey, and the valuable insights he offers to entrepreneurs seeking to achieve lasting success. We're going to dive into his passion for helping ambitious entrepreneurs achieve their dreams and creating lasting value. He'll share his strategic on-scaling businesses uh, while avoiding common pitfalls fostering a culture of innovation and transforming oh sorry transitioning the ceo to chairperson let's welcome to the show mr john saint pierre all right john welcome to the show man hey i love it i'm pumping over here that's great music that's what I'm talking about, dude. This Project X, by the way, uh, probably not the best school uh, high school movie to show high schoolers, but <laughs> still a great soundtrack nonetheless. Thank you for coming on and uh, taking time out of your day. You ready to get started? Yeah, let's rock and roll. All right, man. First question I always ask uh, everyone who comes on the show is promoting something. They're trying to get their message out, their product or service out. What is that for you? Yeah, you, you mentioned in your intro, there's a lot of entrepreneurs out there looking to create prestige and wealth without risking everything, put everything on black and potentially losing it all. And that's my story. I grew a company to north of $50 million revenues after 15 years of growing it and lost everything. I made some fatal mistakes, made myself extremely vulnerable. That was five years ago today. And since then learned seven principles or really introspectively thought through what had happened in that scenario, put together seven principles of entrepreneurial success that I documented here in my book, The $100 Million Journey, implemented those principles in another business that we successfully grew to north of $100 million last year the right way. And so my mission is to really help entrepreneurs grow from a lifestyle business to a high performance business without going off the cliff. How can you build that business of your dreams but not make the pitfalls that I've made and other countless entrepreneurs have made as well? So that's my mission. And I'm trying to help entrepreneurs all over the globe to, to help them build that business of their dreams. Let's identify that target audience. Uh, one of the things I like about um, the pumpkin, uh, the, I think it's the pumpkin, the, the big pumpkin, I forgot what the name of the book was, but basically at the beginning of the book, he talks about who this ideal entrepreneur is that is set for his, uh, for his, for his particular book. Who is that ideal audience? What is an entrepreneur thinking or looking at or feeling that uh, they come to your book and they know that this is the next step that they need to take? Yeah, you're beyond the startup phase. You're maybe in that lifestyle phase of business. You're looking, you're maybe you've been in business five, 10 plus years. 
you're generating north of five, $10 million of revenues and you, you have a nice business, nice lifestyle business, but you're still overworked, overstressed. Um, you're not spending enough time with your family and you're trying to think, you know, when am I finally gonna get paid? How do I build a business that maybe can thrive without me? How do I grow this business from a lifestyle size business to a high performance growth business and create the financial wealth and freedom I aspired through building a business asset without having to be the, you know, the chief cook and bottle washer every day trying to run the business. So that's really who that business is targeted for. Uh, it's not a startup book, although people who are starting up businesses may want to read this before they get started. Uh, it's not targeted specifically at them. It's really those entrepreneurs that have been you know, in the trenches trying to build their business, going through the messy middle and realizing that as an entrepreneur, sometimes you take two steps forward, you take three steps back. Uh, it's a game of whack-a-mole. You know, every time you hit two, three, four, five, six, seven pop up, uh, it's a book specifically targeted at those entrepreneurs. Walk me through that journey, man. I think everybody loves to hear the success stories, but I think we learn best from the struggles. Why was 50 million in revenue not a good business for you? What ended up happening? Yeah, well, it wasn't the $50 million number specifically. It was prior to that, uh, we had grown a nice business over 10 years to north of $10 million business, $10 million. And it was a nice business. Uh, it was a fun business, a fantastic culture, a great team, but we aspired for more. I wanted to build a much larger business. And I proposed a plan to our team and our and our partners. Hey, let's grow this thing 10X in five years. Let's go from 10 million to 100 million. I think I have a roadmap. I think I have a plan. The industry's hot. Let's go do this. And we all jumped on board. But very quickly, we realized that growth takes cash. And if you don't build your own operating capital, you don't build your own operating cash as you grow to self-finance your growth, well, guess what? You go to banks and bring on bank debt. And as you're accumulating bank debt and you're reinvesting in different areas to grow aggressively, you kind of you know, lose control of the wheel a little bit. Now you need to bring investors in. It's going to dilute your equity. It's going to lose control of the business to, you know, to delever your balance sheet. And so things start unraveling. If you try and grow too far over your skis without generating your own proper uh, capital for that growth, you put yourself in a very vulnerable position like I had. So it wasn't necessarily the $50 million number is how I did it. Uh, you know, Obviously, the seven principles of entrepreneurial success were keys to that in terms of what I didn't do right and what you need to do right to build a business correctly. All right, so walk me through that. Seven key principles that you learned from basically messing up the first time. It's not, uh, from what I'm understanding, it's not really the business model itself. It's not the product or the service in this case. It wasn't customer acquisition or any of that stuff. It was really on the back end, maybe not knowing your numbers, but you learned some lessons. You got some scars on you now that you wear with pride because you've learned these lessons and now you're applying them to your business going forward and you're sharing them with others. What are the seven principles? Yeah. You know, what's interesting is, um, you know, you mentioned not knowing your numbers and a lot of entrepreneurs, I, I actually graduated with an accounting degree. So I know numbers, but I actually didn't know some of the numbers I didn't even know existed that were so important to grow a business. That So it was just a lot of learnings there. But principle, I'll go through them quickly and you tell me where you want to dive in. Yeah. Uh, principle one, protect and grow your equity. Way too many entrepreneurs start a business and they bring partners on board and then years later are dealing with that or they dilute themselves right out of the gate. They give away equity way too loosely. But the way you're going to create financial wealth and freedom through your business is through this thing called equity, protecting and growing your equity, principle one. Principle two is build your own capital. Most entrepreneurs don't know how fast their company can afford to grow. They just want to grow, but they don't know how much cash flow they need to generate in order to grow 20% a year. And so there's something called the self-financeable growth rate. How fast can your company actually afford to grow? How much net operating cash flow is your business generating that can be reinvested? So if you don't do that right, you'll actually end up going to bring on investors to help you grow, which will violate principle one, protect and grow your equity. And it kind of flows downhill that way. 
principle three is reinvest smartly. So in, in my case, I was investing, reinvesting carelessly. It was like the shiny object syndrome. Okay, we have to grow to 100 million. Let's go, let's go over here. Let's go over here. And every time we started a new shiny object, we were losing that operating cash flow, which violated principle two, which caused us to go get investor capital, which violated principle one. And next thing you know, my equity starts going down, my control of the business starts going down. So you know, reinvest smartly, focus on your products and services that work well, double down on those to generate more net operating cash flow is principle three, reinvest smartly. Principle four, create a culture of entrepreneurship. Uh, you need to build a culture within your business that people have you know, treat their business like their own and they're entrepreneurs within your business. They're motivated and driven to help you grow this company. Principle four. Principle five, protect the house. Do you surround yourself with the right protectors and advisors uh, to help you know make sure your business is protected? Are you doing vulnerability assessments on your business? There's a whole bunch of different things in that area. And principle uh, five, protect the house. Principle six, access owner's liquidity. A lot of entrepreneurs grow their businesses and they think the only way they're going to actually create this liquidity event for themselves is when they sell their business or sell pieces of their business. But there are ways to move you know, your wealth from your business balance sheet to your personal balance sheet in a tax efficient manner that helps you, the owner, helps the company, helps the employees and their strategies I didn't even know about until my business got to the point where we could actually exercise on these opportunities. And last but not least, principle seven, how do you move from CEO to chairperson of your business. So you can actually rise above the trees, be more strategic, work on your business, not in your business, because you've applied principles one through six properly. Equity is one of the big things. You have it as your number one principle here to protect and grow your equity. Uh, and I think we're we're very um, fascinated with like Shark Tank, for example. We wanna yeah. go from zero to 100 million as fast as possible. But I don't think owners quite understand what it means to really dilute their equity. 5% here, 10% here, a little bit here and there. Uh, it doesn't sound like a lot. What are some of the big mistakes or advice you'd give to people who are getting started who are thinking about maybe going for that first round, raising that capital, fighting that strategic partner, building that team, but they think equity is the answer to get those people involved? Yeah, exactly. Well, you know, it's glamorized, right? It's glamorized on Shark Tank. It's glamorized to walk around and say, hey, I raised $2 million or I raised $3 million. But all that says to me now is you're losing equity in your own business. Uh, and so there's, a, there's you know, a big thing here. If you're an entrepreneur, if you can build your own net operating cash flow, build products and services that bring cash in the door right off the bat and grow your company on your own cash, you're better off growing a $10 million business and owning 100% of it than trying to grow a $100 million business and owning 10% of it. The road will be much more controllable for you. You'll be able to build a business that you actually want, that you control, that's a culture that you want. And so I learned the hard way uh, through this pathway that, you know, in most of the businesses I started up, I'm not sure about you, but, you know, as a young entrepreneur, I was always trying to bring people with me. Hey, let's start this business 50-50 or a third, a third, a third, or 25-25-25. Well, how mm -hmm. many of those partnerships have actually worked? in the long haul, right? Inevitably, somebody provides more than less. Somebody changes their life plan. You got something you got to unwind. Uh, it starts changing along the way. I never had enough confidence to say, no, I'm going to do this myself. I'm going to build a team and bring people along with me. But there's ways, uh, you talk about you know other strategies, there's ways to raise capital through your own products and services. There was ways to raise capital with debt uh, or loans or convertible. There's other, other ways to do it. Uh, there's also ways to bring people onto your team. A lot of times people want to hire someone onto their team as you know, a top ranked person. And their first thing in their minds, I'm going to give them 10%. I'm going to give them 15%. 
that may not be the right strategy. So I talk in the book a lot about phantom equity structures where you can motivate and drive people to help you grow the value of the business where they can win and you can win, but it's not real equity. They don't have to participate in the voting structure. There's no taxation involved, but they're motivated and driven as if they were an owner. Yeah, and then and and it gets tough early on, especially when you have a lifestyle business, because a lot of that equity, a lot of that money that's coming in, uh, when it comes to your net, you're living off of. You've decided that this is the lifestyle I want to lead, and so when you're thinking about moving to that next level, I want to talk about principle two, which is build your own capital. Uh, that might be a little bit tough because you're kind of eating what you kill here, in, in a sense, for a lot of these businesses. Uh, and that's why they turn to that equity model because they don't have the cash up front. What do you mean by build your own capital? How do we do that within an organization? Yeah. So if we had a hundred entrepreneurs in the room and we said, you know, what's the first document you look at every month to, or every year to know how well you did that every, you know, 99 hands would say the profit and loss statement. Right. Yeah. And uh, Alan Miltz, who wrote the cash chapter of the book, scaling up with Vern Harnish. I talked to him in an interview and he said, Looking at your profit and loss statement is like reading the first chapter of a murder mystery novel and thinking you know how the story is going to end, right? Revenues is he says he said this very eloquently. Revenue is vanity, profit is sanity, but cash is king. And do you measure your net operating cash flow? And he had interviewed over three thousand CEOs, and there wasn't one who could tell him how to properly calculate net operating cash flow. I couldn't. After 20, 25 years, graduated an accounting degree, grew a company to more than fifty million. I had no idea how to calculate net operating cash flow. I just was trying to create revenues and profits, but you can grow yourself poor. And then I read a Harvard business review uh, called how fast can you afford to grow? And so if you don't generate enough cash, your ability to self-finance your own growth comes down. So let's say as a business owner, you want to grow 20% a year. You create your budgets. Ah, let's grow 20% a year. Well, do you actually know if you can actually afford that or not? And if you can't, What's your capital strategy behind that to actually get the capital you need to grow? So if you want to grow your business 20%, but your self-financeable growth rate only says you can grow 5%, where's that other 15% coming from? And a lot of entrepreneurs just get lost in this growth for the sake of growth uh, and they end up you know, growing themselves poor. That's tough to do. Uh, and it's even more difficult to kind of explain things like that. I no. remember an accounting class talking about net operating cash flow. I don't usually look at that. That's a metric I know for sure that I'm not paying attention to. Um, now you're going to make me go back and look at stuff. But uh, okay, so we start paying attention and we start putting away some of that money. I don't want to pour the money that I've put away that I've carved out for growth into the wrong thing or maybe into the thing that I should be putting it into, but too many steps too early, in which case it's not really going to benefit me. Uh, how do I reinvest smartly? Yeah. So by the way, on that note, uh, one of the things I did create with the book uh, at 100mjourney.com is a free workbook. And in that workbook is literally yellow cells. You can punch in your number and it'll actually create your net operating cash flow and your self-financeable growth rate. So I have those workbooks for you or anybody else who'd like to play around with those available for free on the, on the website. But you know, to your point, what I was doing in, in our business is we were generating net operating cash flow through, through some winning products and services. But in order to grow, I said, well, let's let's diversify over here and let's diversify over there. And I was reinvesting the money in areas that was actually generating less net operating cash flow or losing net operating cash flow. So it hurt the overall picture. And, you know, there's a saying, you know, uh, the riches are in the niches or focus on your products and services that are winners. Have you maximized what you're doing and selling at the right margins and double down on that? Or are you following every other entrepreneur who chases the shiny object? Right. So the number one key with with the reinvest smartly is don't chase the shiny objects. 
uh, don't reinvest in all these different business lines. When you got one that works, double down on that one, maximize the sales and marketing opportunity in that one or the pricing strategies within that one before you expand a little bit further. But when you do reinvest, your purpose of reinvesting is to create more net operating cash flow, which will further increase your ability to grow. And if you reinvest anywhere else, sometimes you know entrepreneurs want to go buy other companies. Well, sometimes buying a company can be a two or three year investment that's going to drain your operating cash flow, right? So you have to be really strategic along the way. And I talk a lot about uh, being really, really wise with how you reinvest until you get to a million dollars of net operating cash flow, where you can maybe make riskier investments in terms of new business lines, acquisitions, you know, things of that nature. And, and just you know, really having a, a clear strategic plan. You know, one of the things we do is a, a, a very clear three to five year strategic plan. And throughout the year, if an idea comes up, a shiny object over there comes up, the first thing we ask ourselves is, is that part of the strategic plan? If it's hmm. not part of the strategic plan, we're not doing it until the next year when we review the three to five year strategic plan. You have to have a disciplined process to not chase you know, shiny objects. And I think that goes into your next principle, which is the culture of intrapreneurship. Okay, an entrepreneur is a fancy word for a business owner, somebody who's gone off on their own. Intrapreneur, however, you don't hear that that very often. What is it and how do you build a culture around it? Yeah, the way I look at it is you have employees, you have entrepreneurs, and how can you create that one in the middle, which maybe doesn't have all the risk of the equity and, and the partnership in the business, but they want more. They want to feel like they're a part of something. And, and today's workforce is very hard to recruit for. Very, very, very difficult. They want to feel like they're part of a good mission, a good purpose, but they also want to feel a part of ownership and what they're actually being a part of, right? And building. And so one way to do that is create a culture where you provide the right level of authority, right level of freedoms. I mean, the day of clocking in and clocking out on salary people and micromanaging them, it just doesn't work anymore in, the, in today's workplace, right? So you got to create this environment where not only do they have the right motivations and they're being led situationally, but also provide them the right financial motivations where they're motivated to treat every dollar like it's your own. And so when you create this culture of entrepreneurship and you're genuinely trying to build the future of your business, you know, you may not be the best person to run your business 10 years from now. There may be somebody else. And quite frankly, you may want that. You may want to be able to take a step back from your business principle seven move from CEO to chairperson, right? And so who are you building today? Who are you investing in? And are you, are you a manager? Are you a leader or are you a mentor? Can you mentor people into those roles that become more and more prominent within your business? I think a lot of times people are scared uh, to mentor people in that space because of turnover. They're going to leave. I'm going to teach them everything. They're going to go away and they're going to be my competition. Uh, but I find that usually that doesn't tend to be the case. When you invest in people as a mentor, as a leader, they tend to build more loyalty towards you because you've given them a skill set that, that they can definitely uh, capitalize and use. And if you have that structure the way you're describing it, they're benefiting over the long haul of the work that they're putting into the company anyways. Now, your next principle is protect the house. And I thought yeah. that that was kind of covered in the equity section, but you have it as a different principle. What do you mean by protect the house? Yeah, well, you just talked about it. How do you protect your employees, the people you're investing in not leaving? And if they do, you're right. Like, let's mentor them and help society. Let's, let's keep moving on with people. I, you know, we've all had mentors in our life and we appreciate them forever. But, you know, one idea even on protecting the house is how do you not lose your key people? Well, one way you lose them is you don't provide them enough motivation to stay in the begin to begin with. And so a lot of I know a lot of entrepreneurs that won't allow their their top employees to participate in their growth of their business. And I know some entrepreneurs are complete opposite. They give away equity to their top people and realize ah, that was maybe a bad idea. So I talk a lot about in the book, you know, how do you provide an incentive program such as a phantom equity program where your top key entrepreneurs can participate 
in the growth of the business, almost like a bonus structure, but a higher level bonus structure that vests over a period of time to keep your top people engaged in there. But that's one way to protect the house. But you know, I like to ask entrepreneurs this very, very simple question. When was the last time you did a full vulnerability assessment on your business? And hardly ever. <laughs> yeah, right. And and you know, being an entrepreneur, you know, let's say you grow a business. Let's say you grow a nice business. It's a twenty million dollar, thirty million dollar. You're, you're sailing. Everything's in perfect shape, right? Well, guess what? The one hole you didn't plug—that's where the water's going to come through, and that one hole could sink your business. It could be a lawsuit. It could be something with your employees. It could be, you know, you're having success and somebody's just, you know, coming after your back because they see you're having success, whatever it may be. But then there's other things, right? There's there's taxation. As your business grows, you get, you, there's more taxation involved. There's more legal requirements. You have the proper insurances as you're growing. How are you ensuring that every single hole in the boat is covered, or at least you try to cover them? And I like to ask the entrepreneurs this other question. Who are the advisors around your table? When you have to make a big decision, a one-door decision, there's two-door decisions and a one-door decision. A two-door decision is you make a decision, you can easily get out, right? I hire an employee, doesn't work. I let go of the employee, I go this way. But there are also one-door decisions we make as entrepreneurs as we grow and grow and grow our business. Who's around the table? Do you have a professional business, you know, small and medium-sized business CPA, not in your mom and pop CPA, but you know, a professional CPA for small and medium-sized businesses? Do you have the right corporate counsel? litigation counsel, uh, commercial insurance, do you, who do you have around your table? I, I'd recommend that, con, uh, sorry, entrepreneurs, you have to surround yourself with five to six high level entrepreneurs, not be afraid to pay them for their services and help them protect your business as you get to a certain stage. Otherwise, all it takes is one small thing to send you back in the depths of the messy middle. All right, so we take the first five principles, we start building something that's really cool, and I want to access that funds. I mean, we built something. I want to make sure I get the benefits of that. I am the owner after all, but I don't want to exit. I don't want to sell this company. I want this cash cow to be paying me some cash on a regular basis. So right. how do I access that owner liquidity event without exiting? Yeah. And also in some cases, making sure your business still has the working capital to continue to grow. Because one of the things that happens is when you make a distribution, let's say we distributed a million dollars in our business, right? And we own a 50-50. So you got half a million, I get half a million. Well, guess what? The business just lost a million dollars of cash flow. They can't reinvest that million dollars now into their business. It's gone. But not only that is you and I are going to get taxed on this 500000 either through the company or individually at, you know, let's call it 40%. So there goes $400,000 this way. You know, you and I get six hundred divided each and the company just lost a million dollars. It's like it's a losing proposition. So how do you actually do that where everybody can win? And there are things like uh, 401k cash balance and profit sharing. I had never heard about, which actually goes back to creating a culture of entrepreneurship because you can create profit sharing programs for your employees. But as an owner, if you do that program, you can put up to 10 times the IRS limit into your own 401k for your retirement program. And it's tax deductible to the company. That's one example. I had no clue this even existed, right? But everybody wins. The company wins, the employees win, and you win. And you, and you keep more money within that ecosystem, right? For your employees, you and the business. Uh, there's captive insurance programs I had never heard about. And these are things you have to you know, look into as you're making significant net income in your business. But you know, captive insurance programs provide you the ability to provide real you know, insurance for your business for these extraordinary events that may happen in your business, but you own the insurance company. So if they don't happen, you're basically paying these premiums to yourself versus somebody else. 
and that they're taxed at a, at a lower level. It, there's a lot of reasons it makes sense. And it's tax deductible to the company, you know, things of that nature. Uh, there's, you know, reinvesting in other businesses and getting the accelerated depreciation of, of those businesses. So there's a lot of different things you could do to keep the money continuing to work for you and creating wealth for you and your family versus sell equity to somebody else and give up control of your company or sell 100% of it because you're tired and you'd rather someone else come take over and run your business. If you actually do principles one through five, like you said, properly, you can be in a position to really create an annuity for yourself on an annual basis that actually helps the business continue to grow. And that's why you want to surround yourselves with the professionals of all those different walks of life, because they can enter a strategy. It doesn't mean you have to execute on that strategy, but they can advise you on different strategies that are available and get you in a position where you can take advantage of this liquidity event without having to pay Uncle Sam a big portion of it, uh, you know, and, and, and moving forward, your company isn't going to go down. That cash cow isn't going to get shot to pasture. So uh, lastly, we got CEO to chairperson. And we're yeah. always looking at people like Elon Musk. He's at like five different companies, CEO of all these different companies, and everybody wants to be able to have all these things. It's not always the case. What's, what is a chairperson compared to a CEO and why would a owner want to get to that position? Yeah, the amount of times I've heard in my life, John, work on your business, not in your business. I'm like, oh, that sounds really good. But how on earth do I do that? <laughs> I'm working 100 hours a week. I'm stressed out. I'm not even working out. I'm not spending enough time with my family. You want me to like, work on my business? How does that happen, right? How can we do that? But if you can find an opportunity to, to execute principles one through six, and you have a team that's flourishing, that you're building within your business, that can actually run the business maybe better than you can, you can put yourself in a position where you can rise strategically and focus on that business. And I like I like that term moving from CEO to chairperson because sometimes entrepreneurs, we're control freaks. We No one can do it better than we can. So we stay in that position and we don't actually create the life that we want. And the question I like to usually ask entrepreneurs is, are you an entrepreneur because you want to be a business operator or do you want to be a business owner? Like which, which one do you want and what aligns with you and your life plans? Like, you know, for me, I want to create wealth and freedom for myself. I love entrepreneurs. I want to keep, you know, I want to keep building entrepreneur businesses and back entrepreneurs and, and help them grow. But I'd rather build businesses than actually be an operator. Uh, and so, you know, if you, if you think about it from that perspective, that's how you can really create wealth and freedom for you and your family, but also, you know, have the time to spend with your, with your loved ones, take care of your health. But also when you're up here strategically, you can design the proper direction for that business because somebody's working on it. Yeah. And at the end of the day, I mean, it's seven principles and I know we breeze through them really, really quickly here, but those are the things that kind of set you up for that next level. This is the kind of exit strategy you want. You're maintaining control. You're still properly involved. You didn't have a liquidity event and shot your company in the foot. You're managing your cash flow and you have access to it. Like all these different things, this is how you go on that $100 million journey. And you've shared so much great uh, information with us. I wanna make sure people can grab the copy of the workbook and grab a copy of your book. If they wanna work with you and find out more, how can they do that, John? Yeah, very simple. 100mjourney.com. Uh, so 100m as in million, journey.com. That's where the free workbook is. I got free videos on there. Obviously, you can find a link to Amazon to buy the book, The $100 Million Journey. Uh, my social media posts are on, or my, my social media links, excuse me, are on there. 
uh, which are typically all at John St. Pierre or at John St. Pierre 100. So you can go there. You can also email me at john at rhombusgroup.com, which is our holding company. And uh, I do provide a free 30-minute consultation for anybody who'd like to chat uh, anything about their business, or about the workbook. I can assist them through that as well. Uh, I'm here on a mission to help entrepreneurs build the business of their dreams without going off the cliff. John, it was a quick 30 minutes, man. Thank you very much for coming on the program. Ladies and gentlemen, one more time. Look, you always want to find people who have already done what you want to do successfully, not people who have already attempted it and not have done it correctly. Now, John's done both. He built one the wrong way, he even told you, and then he took his lessons, and now he's helped build it the other way in a proper manner. You heard the seven principles here on today's episode. If you want a copy of the workbook, you want a copy of his book, you want some of his time, make sure you guys go to 100mjourney.com, 100mjourney.com, and that's the number 100mjourney.com. Um, John, thank you very much for coming on the program today. Ladies and gentlemen, we'll catch you guys on the next one. Peace. And we're out. It's over. Go home. Is your business in need of marketing? Try starting a podcast. But not just any podcast. Podcast like a pro. We can show you how to take your business from being invisible to becoming a brand people trust. Go to www.businessbros.biz to get started today.